God bless you. Grace and peace to you. This is Delisa Fields, and you are listening to uh, Soteria Prophetic Ministries. Um, today's topic is a heavy one. <laughs> so if you're looking for something a little light, this is probably not that message. Um, this one is um, going to be very heavy um, in terms of dealing with some things concerning walking alongside those in senior leadership. Um, so it's going to be a, a pretty much of an apostolic um, leadership style um, style message. Um, it was birthed out of, you know, because there's always the inspiration. Um, it was birthed out of um, some consultant work that I do um, on the side um, for some nonprofits. And we I shared it on my Facebook page, like in the middle of the night, because it was just you know how you have those teachable moments um, that even after the fact, you just still kind of regurgitated, you know, just chew the cut a little bit. And the Lord was showing me that, you know, there was a situation that, um, you know, we, uh, how do I want to put this? We didn't want to bring to the leader and it's not because uh, they couldn't handle it or we were trying to be um, secretive or, you know, private or underhanded. That, That wasn't the case at all. It's just that when you understand, um, and especially being a leader myself, um, when you understand what the responsibilities are for a senior leader, and when I say senior leader, I'm talking about the set one, the set one that God has, um, you know, positioned in the ministry or organization or whatever. Um, so that, so when I say senior leader, it doesn't mean the oldest person. I'm just talking about that set person, um, the one that God holds most responsible. So, you know, there was some things that we needed to bring to um, the senior leader's attention. But at the same time, we didn't want to overwhelm um, him with uh, the problem. And so, you know, as we talked about it amongst ourselves, he walked in. (laughs) So he had overheard just a portion of the conversation. And so immediately, you know, we just kind of gravitated towards something else. And again, nothing underhanded. So I really want you to hear the whole message. Don't jump to conclusions, okay? Um, nothing underhanded or undermined or trying to keep him in the dark. What it was is that we realized that his burden is already heavy. And so, you know, when, when, when the board was put together, and that's in any board, whether it's corporate America or in any um, church organization, what have you, um, you know, when that, or nonprofit, when that board comes together, The purpose of the board is to bear the hands up of that leader is to deal with the issues is to address whatever the complexities are so that that chairman, that person is armed with enough intel, uh, intel to make the right decision. So it's not to run every problem to the leader, but it's for the board to come together and and reason among themselves about what the issue is and to come up with ideas, come up with a plan of action to present. So the board, the, 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 the the purpose of the board is not to present the problem in as much, in as much as it is to present the problem with solutions. And then if the board has the the, the voting power or or has, uh, you know, the express permission of the set leader to say, hey, go ahead and you all come up with a plan and and work it out. Let me know how it goes. 
you know, many times I do that even in my own ministry. We'll, you know, talk about an issue and then I'll say, okay, and I'll appoint two, three people or what have you. And I'll tell them, you know, I did that Sunday. I say, hey, work this out. Give me a report. And so I'm not so much involved in the execution of the plan, you know, uh, as much as I'm interested in the outcome of the plan. So when we talk about leadership and if you who are listening are being called to leadership, these are some things that um, you really want to know, you know, how do you work alongside your leader to the degree that you don't become a burden, that you don't become a hindrance, that you don't become a, 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 a heaviness to them, considering everything that they already have that they're dealing with. Um, of course, the word of God, which is my favorite go to, is filled with so many examples. One of the examples after our um interaction last night after you know the leader of that organization walked out of the office then we all talked about it and it was something the Holy Spirit put in put in my spirit to share with the board and I said this is why we were called to be a part of this board and I said because you know it's when when the leader walks in we don't just dump everything well this is happening and that's going on and we this and we that it, that's not what the that's not the function of the board um and, and when you let's just take this a little bit higher even in terms of the presidential cabinet, um, I love to watch um, mysteries and dramas and um, political thrillers and things of that nature. And I, I often love it. If any of you have ever watched 24 with, um, oh gosh, I can't, Jack, Jack somebody, by uh, Jack, I can't think of his name. <laughs> but anyway, it comes to me later on. You know how, um, but when you look at the president, he's surrounded by his chief of staff and other heads of states. And when there's a problem, then, you know, they address it among themselves and then they come in and they present, well, this is what we think, Mr. President, or this is what we think, what have you. And and so then it's up to the, pre- everybody at that point is looking at the president to make the, deci- the final decision, but he has not been inundated with the problems, period. He, he, he knows what the problem is that has been made, uh, you know, he's, that's been brought to his attention, but he, he's also being, uh, provided with strategies and insights and what can we do and what we can't do and what's in position and what's available and which countries are in alignment and which ones are, you know, that when you think of that in terms of leadership, it is vitally important to provide that leader with, um, you know, the right kind of information so that they can make um, a good solid decision. Okay. On behalf of the organization that they're responsible for. So I was saying how the Bible is just filled with um, so many um, examples. Um, I talked about Esther and that was what I dealt with in our conversation last night. I said, you know, she did not approach the king with a sad countenance. And if you've read Esther, you know, she had every right to, Um, you know, Haman had devised a plan to destroy the Jews of which she was. And so, you know, she had every right to just bust in through the king's chambers, <coughs> excuse me, and say, hey, honey, husband, king, uh, your chief of staff has is going to kill my people. You know, he set us up for, you know, mass destruction, genocide or what have you. She didn't do that. And and so I brought that out to the to the committee last night and I said, you know, when we're dealing with things, you know, no matter how grievous they may be to us, we, we don't take that to the king. 
We deal with that. Now, I'm not talking about going to God in prayer. This is different. These are human relationships here now. You know, you can take anything to God in prayer. But I'm talking about human relationships here. So let's keep that in context. You don't take those problems to the king with a sad countenance. Even in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah went to King um, Artaxerxes, which was Esther's husband's son, Ahasuerus' son, um, even Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. And his countenance was sad. And and the king addressed him about it. You know, why is your countenance sad? You could actually, it, during that, in that kingdom realm, um, you could lose your life for, um, you know, being around the king with a sad countenance. When you think about um, uh, Pharaoh and you had the his cupbearer and his baker, you know, the countenance, you know, there, there was certain things you could not do in the presence of the king or... Um, you could be killed. You could be killed. Think back to Nebuchadnezzar um, in, in Babylon. And when he said worship, everybody had to worship. And those who didn't, those who didn't bow down, then they had to suffer the consequence. So when you think about kings, right? And you think about uh, kings and dominions. I did a teaching on that God, several years ago. But you think about kings and dominions or kings and domains. Um, there's a different school of thought that we have to ascribe through, subscribe to. Um, in terms of maintaining that king's ear. And when I say king, I mean the person in authority. Now that could be the king of your job, the king of your family or whatever, the person who holds the authority. They're the ones who are in charge of the kingdom, king's domain. Um, in order to maintain that person's ear, maintain the privilege of accessing that person's ear, you want to be mindful of your presentation, the way that you address them, uh, the way that you present a problem. Um, it's just common sense. If you're dealing with somebody, um, king or not, and, and, and they're coming to you and every time you see them, their countenance is sad. They have a problem. They're bringing you problems. You know, it, it's just common sense that at some point in time, you're going to either just kind of shut that gate to that person, shut down the access and, 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 and potentially view that person as toxic because they're coming in to, to contaminate the environment. You know, especially when you already have a lot going on and here they come with a sad countenance. They've got issues. And, you know, I used to watch um, movies of old when kings and and people would come in and, and, you know, they would just kind of not be dressed apart. I can't think of a movie right now. It's in my mind. I can't tell you the name of it. But, you know, they would, you know, they wouldn't dress apart or they kind of look like, you know, they just, just didn't know how to approach the king. And he would say, away with you, get out of my chambers, off with the head, you know. So there's a way that you have to posture yourself when you are approaching a king, working alongside a king so that you can maintain that relationship. And, and you know, again, I, the, the Bible is just filled with examples about that. Um, there was something else that I was going to bring uh, to your attention that just escaped me. Maybe the Holy Spirit will bring it back. But anyway. So we're talking about uh, kings and working alongside those in authority, um, you know, and this may be even in, in your job, on your work, in your workplace and on your job where, you know, you have you're having to report to your supervisor and, you know, there may be something going on in the department and you've got to make this, you know, you've got to make it known. How do you do that? You know, do you walk in, you know, in deliverance terms, we say manifesting, <laughs> you know, your whole face is contorted, you know, you're breathing heavy, you're fidgety because your emotions is, is you know, it's just out of check. 
you know, you're unable to control them. And so you're bringing all of that negative energy into the supervisor's office. And then you expect that supervisor to deliver to you um, a solution or a, a uh, you know, well, a solution to the problem, you know, in all of that hostility, in that hostile environment. Okay, so, you know, think about that. You, you're walking into that supervisor's office and you're huffing and puffing and you're slamming the door. But yet you want that supervisor to hear you out. And and then at the end of your rant, provide you with a sensible solution. They, you know, in some cases, they may not be able to do that because of the hostility of the environment that has been created. It's hard to think. And I could just speak for myself personally. It's hard to think. um a thought through when you have so many things coming at you at one time. And, and I believe that this is why for those you know, of us who serve in senior leadership, there has to be a time when you just get away so that you can clear your mind. Jesus had to, to steal away, you know, where, where you can clear your mind um, so that when decisions need to be made, you know, they're not being made out of anxiety or pressure or, um, you know, uh, undue influence or coercion or persuasion. You're not when you're in senior leadership and, you know, you're, you're having to make decisions. Your the, the your word. Remember, the king's ring, his signet ring. When he signed it, that was it. When when uh, Hasserus signed that decree that Haman presented before him, the 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 deal had been set in motion. For the Jews to be exterminated. It was that was the authoritative. That was it. Once he signed the contract, sealed it with his ring, that was it. Even when Jezebel took Ahab's ring and sealed the letter to assassinate uh Naboth to take his vineyard, she used his ring. And that's where we talk about usurping authority, where we're jumping into places and we're making decisions and we have not been legitimately authorized to do so. That's a whole nother topic. But there are certain decisions that only the king, only the person in authority or senior leadership has the right to execute or has the right to make. No one else does. No matter how bad you think it should be different or my idea is the best. You know, you you have to understand your place. You have to understand your place. And, And if that leader makes a decision that you disagree with, go to God in prayer and ask the Lord, like God, deal with Pharaoh, send him a dream, deal with him, shake him up, wake him up so he can hear, you know, you know, what's going on. So anyway, back to the the board meeting that we had. And so I presented that to them because I said, you know what, when he, when he walked in, we kind of shifted the conversation. We all kind of nervously chuckled because we all sort of knew, you know, what we were doing. And, um, you know, he came in and he shared what, you know, the next assignment was. And we said, okay, we got it. And, and, and that was, and he, you know, dropped a few other things and walked on out. And then we returned back to the matters at hand. And, And so that's what the Lord, I said, and I, so I shared with them. I said, you know, this is how, you know, we entreat the king. We don't bring heaviness to the king. Now, now let me side track here. There will be times that you have to bring something. Um, I'm not saying everything can be handled by the board. There'll be times where, okay, yeah, we need, listen, we've got a situation. This is urgent and, and we've got to act right away. We, of course, that was going to happen. But here's what, what you got to keep in mind. There's a, a story, a fable, um, or old wives tale or whatever about the boy who cried wolf. 
Um, I don't know, especially those of you who are listening all around the world, you may not be familiar with that. Um, but in this particular story, there was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing it, there was this young man who would lie all the time. <laughs> he would lie and he would cry wolf. And so he would cry wolf and everyone would run out, you know, with their, you know, weapons in tow, you know, ready to take down this wolf. So he wouldn't, you know, destroy the camp. And so when everybody would run out, the boy would cry, you know, oh, I'm joking or, or whatever. Like I said, it's been a minute and I'm paraphrasing. But basically he would laugh at the response or mock rather the response of the people. And so he did it again. Wolf, wolf, there's a wolf in the camp. And so the people would, you know, grab up swords and spears and run out of their house to attack this wolf so he doesn't, you know, destroy the village. And the boys out there laughing. Oh, I lied. I, you know, I, I was, I was playing. So he did it again. And this time, guess what? Nobody responded. No one ran outside. Nobody grabbed the spear. Nobody grabbed the sword. Nobody responded to his call. Nobody responded to his cry that there was a wolf in the camp and to his detriment, there was a wolf in the camp. And so, you know, the story, right? Um, so I said that to say this, when you have, uh, the reputation for being honest, for being forthcoming, for being, uh, you know, you know, a person of integrity, when you bring urgent matters, that person in authority knows this is serious as opposed to let me pray about it. Let me get back with you. They know, okay, now if she's coming to me like this, or if he's coming to me like this, I know there's an issue. But if you're like that person who cries wolf every time something happens, every time something's going wrong, every time, or if just for the, the, the sake of it, then, you know, you lose that privilege of having access to the king's ear because they don't take you seriously. They don't take your cries seriously. You've lost that integrity. You've lost that place. You know, in the Bible, the, uh, in the word of God, the Bible talks about Gehazi and Elisha and, um, Elisha, uh, the Lord used Elisha to heal Naaman. And, and so Naaman wanted to reward Elisha, Elisha. And he said, no, but Gehazi overheard it. And he ran out the Naaman and got the reward and came back and lied to Elisha to his face. Whereas Elisha said, didn't my spirit go with you when you went? Right. And so Elisha would represent the king in that situation. And listen, as the king or as the person in a set authority, you know who you can trust. The king, remember I talked about the cabinet, the king chooses who sits around him, who sits at that table. David, excuse me, Saul chose David. You know, he chooses who he wants. He chooses able-bodied, able-minded men, no gender, okay, you know, to to walk with him and to help him make decisions and to help him, uh, you know, guide and help him rule and help him. He knows who's at the table. So, you know, if, 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 you know, if you're coming to that King and, and there's a report every day about something that's a, a non-essential, all right, a non-essential, then at some point you're going to lose ground. And this is what happened with the, I mean, what Gehazi didn't do a non, this is very essential. But my point is that Elisha cut him off. He said, from this point forward, um, you're going to be the leprosy that name and hand will cleave to you. And, and so Elisha fired Gehazi. He fired him because 
he had, he had, um, what, what, what word do I want to use? He had broken the, the confidence. Elisha, no, now Gehazi had issues prior to that too. That's a whole other topic too. Elisha, excuse me, Gehazi had issues prior to that. But this one just took the cake. And so remember what I said about the boy who cried wolf that, you know, at some point, you know, he, he, he lost that ear. Nobody, you know, his voice no longer had, you know, there was no more validation in his voice. There was no more um, truth in his voice. It, it just kind of, and you, I'm sure, you know, people like that, that, you know, you kind of, you know, when they tell you things, you're looking at them side eye, like, yeah. You know, you just, you know, you, you know, those in your camp that you wouldn't believe, listen, I, you wouldn't believe them for all the tea in China. They just, they're, they're just, their character, um, is just one that they can't be trusted. Now, you know, as believers, we, we don't want that. You know, we want, you want our words in the, in the world. They say you want your word to be bond. You know, if you say something, then you want people to hold weight to that. Now I've, I've known people. And I know people that, you know, they, t- they will tell me things and I'll look at them and say, okay. And <laughs> let me tell you something. I-, I know in my knower that that word has no more power than, <sighs> than a car without a motor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just part of my folly for a minute, but I, you know, cause situations has come to me, but I mean, they're just people that will say things to you. And even I just go to this extent to say this. They'll even say God told them something. And you're looking at them like, right. You know, I mean, you, you just you can't trust their words. You just can't. OK. And, and so, you know, even they you, you just kind of tune them out or shut them down or just kind of put some distance because you know that they can't be trusted. You know, their words can't be trusted. And and so, again, this all goes into, you know, your place. If you're serving in a leadership thing, if you're working alongside um, supervisors or corporate America and that structure um, or nonprofits, um, you know, that, you know, if you're especially someone has asked you to be on their board. You know, it's, it's, you're, you've been delegated, you know, you've been elected to do that. And so they chose you because of what you bring, you know, and when I chose my board, I chose people based upon what they bring to the table. I don't, you know, and then let me talk about me as a leader. Don't bring me a problem. You know, don't bring me the problem unless you have solutions or strategies or things that you've already, you know, have have prayed about. And you talked about it because then, you know. It, it sort of it, 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 it play it, I guess it plays against the fact that you're on the board. You know, the fact that you're on the board says that you 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 are mature in the way that you think you are mature in the way that you handle things. You are skilled in negotiations and, and, and you know, in decision making. And, and so that's who you want around you, not someone you're, you're trying to decide what to do. And they're telling you, well, we can't do that because this and, you know, this went wrong. And, you know, you know, it just again, it, it, it leads to a toxicity of environment that's hard for anybody to make a decision. All right. Let's get some Bible. That's enough commentary for a minute. Let's get some Bible. Um, so I gave you Esther and I talked about how um, when she went before King Ahasuerus, um, you know, for the problem that she had, she did not initially talk about the problem. 
And I thought that was such a excellent point that God, the Holy Spirit gave me last night. I said, listen, Esther did not come before the king with the problem, even though there was a big problem. There was a big, this woman's life was in danger, you know, and, and but she understood. She said, there's a way that I have to approach this king so that he would hear what I'm saying. And so there's a way for you to approach uh, your leader, your spouse, your family member, your co-worker, your supervisor, or whatever your even uh, law enforcement. There's a way to approach them so that you can be heard. You know, many times we say, well, they're not listening to me. They, they don't, they, you know, they won't talk to me. They won't ask yourself why, why is it people won't give you their ear? You know, why is it Esther found a way to get to a Hazarus ear. And you know what that way was? Presentation. She was dressed. She put on the best of clothes. She had, she prepared a banquet. She entreated him. She appealed to him. And then he said, okay, what do you want? I will give you out. He extended his scepter. He said, I'll give you up into half my kingdom. What do you want? You've got my ear. That's one of the best feelings in the world when you have a problem or a situation and someone says to you, hey, you know what? Let's talk about it. Well, tell me what's on your mind. You know, they kind of open that door and they give you access to talk about it. You know, there something led to that. There's a re- there are many doors that are shut and pe- even in marriages. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. There are even doors shut in marriages between spouses where they just can't talk love each other, have invested their life together with, you know, properties and families and so, but they can't talk because they don't know how to present a problem. You you have to learn how to unpackage it, right? Uh, I, I'll give an example. When my husband comes home, he comes home later than I do. When he comes home from work and, and, you know, my husband's job is very stressful. I mean, he, he's in sales and he does hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales a day. You know, he told me last night, I think they had pre-sales up to a million dollars already. You know, so he he's dealing with with buyers. He's dealing with um, contractors. He's in um, building and development. And, and so and, and especially in Charlotte, my God, you, you can't. I'm wondering if we're going to have any trees left. You know, I mean, they're just building. They're just building. Um, And, and so, you know, he, his job is very, very stressful. Very demanding. He loves it now, but it's very demanding. So if there's an issue with, with the kids or whatever, um, I know not to call him at work. (laughs) You know, I, I, I'm, I'm mature enough and I'm wise enough to know that even though we've got a situation, uh, that he needs to be made aware of, it's not wise. It's unwise to call him at work because, Somebody didn't take out the trash or, um, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to think of something trivial, you know, or, or, you know, the, the, whatever. Okay. I'm not even going to try to wreck my mind trying to figure something like trivial out, but you, you understand what I'm saying that you know, it's unwise for me to call him at work and say, honey, babe, you know, um, you know, uh, baby girl didn't take the chicken out last night. Yeah. I wish you'd say something to her. That's unwise. You know, I, I've got to stop him. <clears throat> excuse me. In the middle of his day and, and bring him up a, a trivial thing that I can handle that I'm supposed to handle 
but I'm interrupting his day. God only knows what, what all he has going on. So I'm interrupting his day to bring him something trivial, you know, and then, and then let's just, let's talk about what that looks like when he comes home. Cause by this time, let's just say I've got four or five other things I want to talk about. And so the minute he walks through the door, well, you know, the light bill is due, you know, the car broke down. Oh yeah. And the washing machine. So as soon as he walks through the door, now I just told you his job is stressful. It's demanding. So, you know, I shouldn't be surprised if he walks back out the door and get in his car and drives off for two hours. I, I'm not saying he doesn't. We, listen, I'm telling you, I, I don't do that. But what I'm saying is this is how doors can be shut even in marriage. When you're trying to, to, to speak and share things and talk about things with your, your spouse and you don't know how to present it. You don't know when to present it. You haven't unpackaged it. You just, you just bring everything and dump it and then look at them and wonder, well, why you won't say nothing? Why, what you gonna do about it? That's not wise. You know, even the Bible talks about the nagging housewife. The, and it can be a, listen, there are men that can nag you too. It will drive you crazy. This, the Bible said this man was better off on the top of his house. Then inside, in other words, he was better off. He had more peace of mind outside of his house than inside. If I could just translate that into a modern uh, translation. And sometimes, some, so sometimes we wonder why, you know, our spouses, and I'm not talking my mind. I don't have that problem. Thank God. But, you know, sometimes our spouses just take off. You know, they get off work at three. You don't see them till nine. You know, they just don't want to come home. Why? Because we, we just run to them with all the problems in the world. We don't know how to solve them. We don't know how to unpackage them. We don't know how to, we just, you know, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. We need to do this. We need, you, when you're dealing with kings and let me, just, I'm not saying that the husband is the king or the, I'm saying people, your spouse is an important person in your life. They hold an authoritative position. You submit one to another. So whether it's wife or husband, okay, both of you have positions of authority. Let me just make that plain. Because um, the the husband can do the same thing, nag the wife about stuff. You know, it goes vice versa. But I'm talking about my situation. So I know better than to do that. Okay, and then expect him to to lavish me with gifts and love on me and hug me. You know, you have to wonder. You know, why if that's not happening in your marriage, why isn't it? You know. When Esther went before Ahasuerus, he could not deny her. He said, what, what do you want, girl? What, what, look, you're so beautiful and so precious and so sweet and humble. And you, you prepared this feast for me and you, you know, you've laid everything out. You, you may, I'm king, but you're making me feel like a king. When that a preach. And, and, and so he, she made him feel so empowered that she, she, she broke down his guard. And he said, what do you want? What, tell me what is on your mind? And when she shared with him, that man, Haman is going to kill me. It didn't take but a split second for Ahasuerus to make a decision. Now I can translate that into the realm of prayer too. There's a way you can go to God. Let me tell you something. And God will fight for you. But I'm not talking about that today. <laughs> We're talking about human relationships, but, um, but you can certainly use it as a prayer, prayer um, pointer. That there's a way that you can get to God where you is just undeniable. He just won't withhold. The Bible said when you walk up right before him, he will withhold no good thing from you. Not one thing. But you got to walk up right. You know, we love to say, oh, God won't withhold nothing good. Yeah, he did say that. But then it's, it's a condition. There's a condition. You must walk up right. So what does that look like for you? You know, what does that look like? Um, so, so yeah, so I wanted to kind of finish that point with, with, uh, Esther and Hasserus, but I also want to point out too, you know, why Kings have certain people around them. 
you know, why kings have certain people around them. And um, let me see what the scripture was. This is in Numbers chapter 11. Um, and, and I've mentioned this on the uh, uh, podcast a couple of um, times ago about uh, Moses having too much on him. And this all goes back to, to, you know, how to approach the king, the person in authority. The authoritative figure. And, and so Jethro, listen, and nobody, and I told you guys this, I forget what the name of the podcast was, but, you know, no one could just come to Moses and say that, you know, so there are even certain things that you don't, you got to watch how you bring that, you know, you have to watch how you bring that. Miriam and Aaron were Moses's older brother and sister. Both of them were prophets, you know, and, and they try to check him, you know, because of who he married. You know, they had an issue with him being married to Zipporah, right? And and God said, uh, <laughs> this is what you're not going to do. You know, we're going to have a meeting. Everybody come out to the tent. Stand outside and let me talk to you. And by the time everything was done, Miriam had leprosy <laughs> and both of their days got shortened. Neither one of them made it through the promise. I don't even think neither one of them got married. You know, so there's a way to approach a person in leadership. Now, let me just say this, because I feel some of you will. What, what do you do when your leader, so-and-so, your leader, and you know what? Go to God and ask God. Because, you know, I, it's hard for me to even advise. A lot of times people ask me for advice and what should I do? What should I do? And in all honesty, many times their issue is one-sided. You know, people will tell you what they want you to know. You know, and so you have to dig through and say, okay, well, what are you doing? You know, because we love to do that. We'll tell you what everybody else has done. Oh, this one said this and that one did that and this one. But now what have you done? Okay. Um, what is your response looking like? What is your, you know, what part do you play in this? You know, oh, well, let's own up to your part. So, you know, it's, it, I've, I hesitate to involve myself in a lot of matters between people when you don't have all the facts and you've got to be, if you serve in leadership, you have to be very wise, you know, about that because you can easily side with the wrong person. You know, you can, you can pre, you can uh, misjudge a matter by taking one person's um, word for it. Don't do that. You know, the Bible says, you know, um, you know, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. So there's another point to it, to that too. Um, that has to be factored in. But with Miriam and, and Moses, uh, Miriam, and God said, um, no, this is this is not going to work. You know, you are to serve him. You are to submit to his leadership. Who he marries is none of your business. You know what I'm saying? That's not none of your concern. If I've granted it, if I permitted it, then, you know, who are you to come behind and question him about who he is to marry? You know, get back in your lane, get back in your place. So there are those kinds of conversations. And I know a lot of people don't like that because, you know, folks now, and I'm going to say this too, even with social media, you know, they feel like they just have access to every area of your life. And and we have allowed that. We've got to own up to it. We put our pictures out there. We put our events out there. We put, And so you did give people access to say things and judge things and assume things. You know, you did give them that access, you know, and, and then there's some people who just don't understand borders at all. They just don't know the difference between you know, leadership and a person's personal life, you know, it's totally different. Um, you know, there's different borders. You may access me as a leader, but in my personal life, no, you don't have access. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, um, praise God. So with Miriam and Aaron, um, you know, God dealt with them. So there was a way that they could not 
come to Moses. God stopped them in their tracks. But Jethro, on the other hand, could say, hey, man, you got too much. You're taking too much on yourself. Now, this sounded like the same conversation that Miriam and Aaron had about who you can't marry. Here comes Jethro about your leadership style. But you know what? God validated what Jethro said and judged what Miriam and Aaron said. You see what I'm saying? So there's a difference there. When you are serving in, in leadership, there are certain things that are, are just above. It's above. You have to, you just have to go to God and pray and say, God, you know what? I This is kind of really out of my league. So I just ask you to deal with it and let God handle it. As opposed to, you know, involving yourself in something and get your soul in trouble. There are some things that, that you just cannot get involved in. Certain decisions, no, you don't get brought in on that. Remember I talked about the board. You know, the board are the ones who help to make the decision or are part of that decision-making um, uh, um, process. It's not for everybody. And so if you feel like you 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 need to know, I need to know, you, you may not, this is not a need to know for you. You understand? Everything is not a need to know for you. If you needed to know, you would have known. And so sometimes we feel like we have rights, um, but that's not always the case, right? Sometimes um, there are areas that you don't have access to. And you think about that in terms of the government and these political thrills I like to watch. It's, um, you know, uh, it's a secured line or it's privilege, right? Um, you, you, it's not common knowledge. It's, it only belongs to those who can handle what's happening behind the scenes. Not everybody can handle it. Folks will gossip about it. Folks will start a, a riot or, you know, listen, I'm, I won't even go there. So, you know, the way you handle things will determine how you handle things. I'm just going to leave it like that. So Jethro goes to Moses in Numbers 11, 16 through 30. And Moses uh, uh, ordains the elders. But I want you to look at something. Here's what the Lord said to Moses in Numbers 11, chapter 16. Excuse me, Numbers chapter 11, verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel. We're still talking about kings. We're still talking about his chief of staff or his board or those walking alongside those in leadership. So I hope I'm not losing anybody. All right. Um, this is what the Lord says. Gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them, bring them to the tent of the meeting and have them take their place there with you. So this is how God forms a board. Now we know in, in, in politics, there's a different way that the president forms his um, cabinet in corporate America. There's a way that, um, you know, uh, the CEO or the shareholders form their board. But in the things of God, this is how God forms his board. All right. This is Numbers 11, verse 16. And, and I hope this answers a lot of questions. Some people just wonder why, why I can't be on the board. And I'll say the fact that you asked that question is probably why you, probably why you're not on the board. Amen. It's not something you, you vote for. Uh, excuse me. It's not something you, you, um, I was volunteer for the board has to be chosen because of what is required of them. Do you, does that make sense? Let me give you some more word. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them, bring them to the tent meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there and I will take, listen, some of the spirit, 
that is on you and put it on them and they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it by yourself. That's Numbers 11, 16, 17. This is how God forms his board. We look at how Jesus formed his board. And I'm just using that word board, right? You know, he's looking for those that have the same spirit. The same spirit. You know, different skill sets, but the same spirit. Now, this is going to be a problem for a leader who has a corrupt spirit. If Because you're going to have people around you uh, who are going to be influenced by you, by the way you transact business, by the way you make decisions, by the way you govern. They're going to be influenced by you. That's why the early church, they called the, they used to be called followers of the way. Then they called them Christians and Antioch because they look like Christ. And so now we have the term, we are Christians and so forth. But it, originally it was the followers of the way, people of the way. Okay. So you find here that God told Moses, I want you to find 70 elders. It was Moses job. It was the leader's job to find 70 people, 70 elders. And then he says elders, not the Bible said, not a novice. You know, my God, they're still trying to figure out who they are in God. They're trying to figure out whether they're saved. They're trying to figure out whether they're going to stay or go. So you, you, you cannot choose based upon charisma and charm. And I've seen that. And some of you have seen that too, where people are chosen for leadership positions based upon charm and charisma and how loud they are. And I've made, listen, I've made mistakes in my past doing that too. And I've learned, oh boy, have I learned. So you, you never choose a novice, you know, a newbie, a babe, you know, you know, somebody new to the organization, somebody new to the thing. And you, you, you know, you just pull them straight up to the top. They haven't even learned your vision. They haven't learned your leadership style. They haven't learned your heart yet. They haven't learned what the mission. They, they haven't even learned the people, but yet they're serving a leadership position. That's, mm, yeah. So here, God tells Moses, go and get, choose 70 elders whom you know, you've got to know these people. You've got to know them by the spirit. So how do you, it takes time. How do you get to know somebody? It takes time. I've had, I've had people say to me, well, I, you know, I, I was, I was, um, you know, I was hoping that, you know, X, Y, Z would happen. You know, I, I was hoping that you would have seen this in me and I, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow. Well, I, and I said, I said, well, I don't see that. And I, I, you know, I'm not one of those that are shut down to give out. Believe me, I'm, if anything, I'm the one that'll help you cultivate and pull it out because it's less work for me. Praise God. I can focus on something else. So I'm not one of those that will shut you down, but I am one of those that need to see, you know, I, I need to see it. Um, and, and so, you know, I had this individual say to me a few, a couple of years ago, you know, well, I was hoping that this would happen, you know, by this amount of time, blah, blah. And I said to the person, I said, well, I'm sorry. I just didn't see it. You know, and, and so the person, you know, that was the end of that. Um, but you, you, a leader has to know. And in order to know something about someone, it takes time. 
And so sometimes, you know, especially if you, you know, very eager and you got to have it right now, you got to be this thing right now. You know, that's not even fair to the person that you want to commission you. It's not, it's very unfair because they have to listen. Oh God, I don't want to get, that's a whole deep topic right there. I got to get out of that, but it, it just give the person time and, and praise the Lord. <laughs> get out of that. That's the whole other topic. Uh, but that leader, it, they need time to get to know you. So give them time. You've been knowing you all your life. You know, give that leader, give that person, give the king time to know you. It took time for Nebuchadnezzar to learn Daniel, to learn the Hebrew boys. It took time for Pharaoh to learn Joseph. It takes time. And those are heathen kings, right? It takes time. Um, so he said, choose you out these men who you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. He had already seen leadership uh, 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 skills exemplified. They, they were already operating in a leadership mentality. They didn't start doing it when he anointed them. They were already flowing in that vein. And so what he went and I, I did a message a few, I don't know, um, about proving the ministry. I think it's dancing in the meadows or something like that. How Elisha was already in leadership position before Elisha came. And the way he ended his last season spoke a lot. Oh boy. The way you end the season says a whole lot about where you're going and how long you're going to be there and how successful and fruitful you be in that. The way you end the season. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, the Holy Spirit is speaking today. Even when Jesus left the Lord of glory, he had dinner with the disciples before he left. Elisha had dinner. Elijah went around and checked on all the schools of the prophets before he left. Moses, before the, he passed away, he gave them the law revisited. Deuteronomy, he reminded them of what God said because he knew he was not going to be able to pass over. There's a way. If you say God said this and God said that, please, ma'am, and please, sir, make sure that what you're saying is lining up with God. Okay? Please, y'all. Stop. Let's stop lying on God. Some of the stuff he's not saying because it's not characteristic. It's uncharacteristic of him. And we've got to quit doing that because that too will illegitimize your voice. Like the boy crying wolf. After a while, we keep lying on God. God said, God said, God said, God said. And then nobody sees the proof of what God said. Then don't be dismayed when no one's listening to you. And you like that boy, young boy did in the, in the book. He may very well have had cause. Yeah, this is really a wolf this time, y'all. I mean it. I'm serious. God really did speak. I know I see. But you've already destroyed your reputation for being a, 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 a validated voice. You've destroyed it. And so it's unfortunate now that even though you tell them the truth, no one wants to hear it. You see what I'm saying? <sighs> We're talking about the king. Talking about walking alongside those in authority. And so God is telling Moses, you know, look out for those who are already functioning in leadership and have them stand beside you. And then I'm going to come down and talk to you. And then I'm going to take some of your spirit. Now, listen, because there's not, this is not going to be no two headed monster thing. I've got one head, but they're going to walk alongside you. And they're going to have some of your spirit. In other words, when they judge, when they deal with matters, because this is too much for you, Moses, and you're going to die before your time. You're going to die without finishing your purpose. And this is why it's important for, especially now with this mental health crisis that's going on in our land in America, you've got to have seasoned, trusted voices in a multitude of counsel. There is safety. 
You've got to have people who are seasoned. And these are not people that you're going to always agree with. You may not see eye to eye. I had it in a couple of weeks uh, prior. I had to deal with something in one of our board meetings and it was not popular at all. <laughs> it was and I had to tread very th- carefully and very, you know, cautiously when I approached the subject. All right. As I'm advising, as I'm consulting, that's what I do. So if you know, it's not my job to agree with everything. It's my job to say, hey, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. Or let's do it this way. You know, that's what I'm hired for. That's what I've been asked to do. So, you know, when I bring something, it's coming out of experience, it's coming out of knowledge and it's coming out of, you know, the law, <laughs> you know, keeping people out of jail. And so, um, and keeping them from losing a non-top, a non-profit, um, taxes and status. So, you know, there was a, something that I had to broach, a, a topic that I had to broach and, um, but the Lord very skillfully gave me the wisdom to do that again presentation matters. So there may be times when you have to bring something to the board or to the meeting or to the leader that, you know, it it may not be something popular. You know, there may be a conflict of interest, but there's still a way that you can approach that subject and have that thing thought about, have it deliberated, you know, have it up for consideration as opposed to they just shut you off. Don't want to hear it. We're going to do this anyway. So you've got to have the spirit of the leader so that even if there's something that you have to deal with or, 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 you know, um, bring to their attention, you know how to do it. Right. When Nathan, when get, when Dan, David fell and, and, you know, the judgment between him and Bathsheba, there was a way that Nathan went to David. He didn't just say, man, God told me to tell you, he's mad with you. You know, better, you know, you are an apostle, you're a prophet, you, you slept with this man wife and you know (laughs) there was a way that Nathan went to David that by the time David Nathan got done with David David was cut to the core of his heart and it was nothing he could even though he was an authority he humbled himself to Nathan what can I do what 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 what, what's what are my next steps that's why you want to have ear you want to have the king's ear you know maybe there's something on on the job there was a time uh, at work last year, we had a situation uh, on the job. There was a concern and everybody in our department, especially in my location, was complaining and murmuring. And, and oh, we had issues. We had problems, y'all. We had problems. <laughs> and, um, you know, whenever we would have our trainings, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, you know how you had the elephant in the room. Like everybody's like, who's going to address this problem, you know? And so, um, and it it was a problem for me too. It was affecting me too. But you know, when you know, especially, and that's why Jesus marveled at the centurion. He said, the Bible said he marveled. Why? Because that man was a man of authority. He said, I too am a man of authority. He listen. Oh God, this is so good to me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm my spirit. I'm just, I'm encouraging myself. (laughs) Jesus said, he said, I marvel. I've never seen so much faith. No, not in all Israel. The reason why Jesus said it is because the centurion understood authority. When you are working for someone, if you're in the work in the marketplace and, 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 and you understand authority or you have your own authority in your home, in your church, in your business, in your whatever, it's not hard for you to carry out instructions because you know how you expect your instructions to be carried out. 
You, you see what I'm saying? So when I'm at work, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not one of those griping and complaining about a supervisor because I'm a supervisor. And so I know that the way that when I want things done, I want it done. I want this is how I want it done. And this is when I want it done. And, and so I understand what I expect from those who are submitted to me so that when I'm submitted to someone and they say, hey, uh, Delisa, we need you to just go here. We need you. No problem. And this is what has given me so much favor in my department. Yeah, I, I can't even tell it to you. I'm listen. I have so much favor, so much favor because I understand authority. When I'm asked to do something, I don't suck my teeth. I don't. Now, I'm not saying I want to do it now. Okay, let's just make that plain. I'm not saying that I'm just that one waiting. Oh, me, me, me. Give me that job. Give me that task. No, that's not me. But what I understand is that when I am assigned something, I carry it out. And if I don't understand it, I'll ask, how do you want this done? When does this look okay? You know, are you okay? You know, I know how that works when you know authority. But if you don't know authority, if you've never been in charge of anything and someone tells you to do something, you're going to have an attitude. You're going to do it half done. You're going to have a heart, a bad um, uh, heart toward it. And it's just not going to be good. And guess what? You won't get chosen again. At least that's how I work. There's some people I, I I love them dearly, but I will never ask you to do that again because <laughs> you just shown that you did it, it, it. You know, you just you can't. You don't. That's not your grace. You're not. That's just not the area where you, you know, you're not anointed in that area. And we got to realize some of us, there are areas I'm not anointed. And I tell people, don't listen, don't don't ask me to do that because <laughs> that's not that's not what I do. Now, if you want me to do this. You want me to do that. I got you all day. But that job right there. No, you need somebody else. I know my limitations, know my boundaries. I know my lane. So, um, praise God. I went all over the place. I'm trying to figure out where, where I was. Um, oh, I was talking about my job. So, um, so God gave me a door of utterance. And this is for those of you that, you know, you're serving somewhere and you see things or you want to, whatever you want to, um, you know, uh, discuss what have you. Ask God for a door of utterance. Ask God. If you don't have that leader's ear, that person's ear, your supervisor or whoever that king is, if you don't have their ear, ask God for a door of utterance. That's what I did. So we had the problem in our department. It was a big problem. Everybody was thinking about it. And I meant to say stinking about it. And um, I said, God, I said, you know, how, how can I address this in a way that won't seem insubordinate? Or like I'm coming off picking or nagging or what have you. Because that that's not who I am. And the Lord gave me the insight to do it. And guess what? When I presented the problem, I presented it in wisdom. And you know what the response was? Thank you, Miss Fields. Can you go ahead and put that plan in action? I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I said, wow. All I did was ask God for the door of utterance and the wisdom to approach the issue. And when I presented the issue to, to, to the kings in my department, it was accepted and they gave me, me, I wasn't looking for that, but they gave me the authority to go ahead and get the thing done. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's a way you got to unpackage. You can't go to people frustrated and huffing and puffing and I need you to, I just need you to do something right now. I, I can't take it no more. See, that's where you got to learn how to temperance. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Temperance. Why did you even let it get you to that point? You know, we don't go from zero to 100. So at what point between zero and 100, did you not notice your emotions were becoming hard to control? You have to watch your spirit. 
Watch your spirit so that you don't become so out of control and so overcome with emotions to where even though what you're saying is is of a truth, no one wants to hear it because of your presentation. Few more scriptures and I'm done, done, done. So I gave you um talked about Esther, gave you Moses and his elders, um, talked about Miriam and Aaron, talked about Jethro having ear with Moses, um, talked about David and Nathan having ear. Uh let's see, I've got two other scriptures. Let me just see which one I'm gonna choose one. Definitely not that one. Um well, okay, I'll go here. This is an Acts <clears throat> chapter six, verse three. I think I'm going to give you one more too. This it kind of I think it's going to seal the deal. <sighs> Hallelujah. So um this is Acts chapter 6 verse 3. The Bible says, "Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you, look you out among you." See that? These men were already around them. They were already operating. Okay? "Look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Do you see that? And this, of course, we're talking about the ordination of the deacons. Just did an ordination for uh, one of my church's uh, uh, deacons. And so you find here that the council, <clears throat> the council at Jerusalem, the prophets, the apostles, the teachers are all coming together. And there's an issue between the Greek Jews and the Hebrew Jews, um, widows, the <laughs> Greek widows and the Hebrew widows. And, um, you know, they're needing to be taken care of. And so the apostles are saying, hey, we can't leave the word, you know, studying the word, ministering the word or what have you to go and cut grass and, and patch up a hole in the wall. I'm just saying. So, you know, we need somebody who can do this work and we need somebody who has our spirit full of the Holy Ghost. Good reputation, honest report. They have to have our spirit. So, again, I've given you an Old Testament example of how God forms a board. And I've given you a New Testament example of how God forms a board, right? And I, there's many more of that too, but I just we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, and, and so you, you they, they did that. Um, oh boy, it's, it's that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Oh, hallelujah! They did that, and the deacons, the deaconate was formed. The board of deacons was formed. Out of that right there. But look at the men that was chosen. They could handle it. They could handle the pressure. They could handle the, the chaos. They could handle the complaint. They could handle it. So that. Let me get to the scripture. So they did the, the apostles. He's, they said. So we can devote. Verse 4. Devote ourselves to prayer. And to ministering the word. So when when they're the leader. Whether it's a corporate leader, not an organizational community leader or church leader or, you know, your workplace leader, place leader, what have you. When they're choosing supervisors, those of you there, those of you that are even seeking for supervisor positions, take this message. Take this message to heart and, 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 and let this message qualify you for the supervisor position or the management position or whatever that higher level thing is. Because guess what? It's not so much about the schooling, right? It's not so much about schooling. It's presentation. It's about conduct. It's about integrity. Oh boy, this is this is deep. This is deep. Um, 
It's about reputation, people of God. You know, they're looking over your resume and they're looking over all of the last jobs that you've had and the responsibilities that you had and how long you held those responsibilities. These are things that qualify you. When you're talking about working alongside leadership, again, like I said, this can be church leadership. Yes, but it's not limited to that. It's leadership in corporate America, leadership in the government, leadership in your community. You know, it's not just limited to being a leader in the church or walking alongside the leader, which is, yeah, leaders do need people. I need people who who can walk, you know, in integrity and in the uprightness of heart. God wants that for every leader. You know, but it's not limited to that. You can be that kind of person on your job to where I don't care how hard knows your supervisor or that king is on your job. God can give you favor. God did it with Pharaoh and Joseph. God gave him favor. This man was so hard and he had already put to death. He was a Pharaoh was a murderer. But when Joseph came on the scene, he melted in his hands. Come on, somebody. He melted in Joseph's hands. Nebuchadnezzar was a murderer, but he melted in Daniel's hands. He melted. Do you see what I'm saying? To where God can give you so much favor with the kings. To where, like Esther, you walking in and they're like, let's talk. They open their doors up. Everybody else has to knock on the door and make an appointment. You, they say, hey, come on in. Come on and sit down. Tell me what's on your mind. What do you think? What what should we do? They're asking you for your opinion. That's the place you want to get to. That's the place you want to get to. But it's going to take some work you know one last scripture because i'm way over my time here got some things i've got to do personally but this is in second samuel 23 um second samuel and please please if you just please read this in its entirety when you get a chance second samuel 23 and i'm just going to highlight voices voices verses 8 through 39 the bible's talking about the david's mighty men now you we know first of all that david was a mighty man of valor. And I'm going to rush through this. So I'm not going to do it any um, service at all. So that I, I really encourage you to read it for yourself. And let the Holy Spirit finish this message. Um, but we know that David was a mighty man of valor. But you also need to look at the men who surrounded him. David was a mighty man of valor. So mighty men of valor had to surround him. They had to surround him. He had 37 men of valor. Mighty men of valor. Who walked alongside him. Now some of you may not need that. Moses had 70. The apostles. They only needed 7. Jesus had 12. You know it just depends. right? It just depends on what your work is. To the degree that you need these rulers. Pharaoh just needed Joseph. Really. I mean he also had um, uh, Potiphar. But Joseph was second in command. So it just really depends on what the work is. To the degree of how many. Um, leadership positions are needed, secondary leadership or supportive leadership positions. But here is Sam, um, in Second Samuel 23, David had 37 men of valor. But I want to give you a rundown really, 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 really quick about these men. All right. The Bible said, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And uh, forgive me if, in advance for terrorizing and tormenting these names, but I didn't get a chance to pronounce it. Um, the Tachamite that sat in the seat. He was chief among the captains. The same was a Dino, the Esnite, listen, who lift up his spear against 800 and he slew them at one time. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to go through all of this, but it tells you what, who the captains 
of the first, you got 37 men of valor, but then out of them, you got captains, chieftains, rulers, right? The hierarchy of those who were right beside David and the ones who walk right beside David are the, were the ones who destroyed men. I mean, listen, let me tell you real quick. So you got the same as Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear and he killed 800 people, right? At one time. After him, verse nine was Eleazar. And Eleazar, the Bible said, one of the three mighty men with David. So David had 37 mighty men, but he had three captains, three captains. Pay attention to this. All right. Um, Eleazar, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone, were gone away. He arose, talking about Eleazar, and smote the Philistines until his hand was tired. Come on. Ooh, God of mercy, Jesus. I may have to preach this one, y'all. And his hand, listen, the Bible says his hand was tired, but he still held on to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. That means he, listen, uh, Eleazar did so much that the only thing that people had to do after he was done with the battle was collect the goodies that was left in the land. After him, verse 11, is Shema, Shema, the son of Agi, the Herite. When the Philistines were gathered together, there was a piece of a ground of lentils. The Bible said, and I preached this a while ago, he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistine. So what he did, he protected the people's food. He my, while, the, while the army was battling, he stood and guarded the field so the people would have food to eat. Powerful. And so three of the 30 chief went down and came to David. And, and, and oh, let me get down to this, y'all. Again, you got to read this on your own because I'm not doing this any service to you. But you got, uh, we got, uh, we got a Dino. Killed 800, Eleazar, a man who fought to his battle. His hands were weary. We got Shema, who who guarded the fields, guarded, guarded the food. Okay. So these three of the 30 chiefs went down to fight. And then I want to tell you about, who was the bodyguard? Let me get to the bodyguard. Benina, Benaiah. This is in verse 20. Benaiah, the Bible says, Killed two. Listen, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, had done many acts, slew two lion like men of Moab. My God, he went down also and killed a lion in the snow. Do you know what that means? Do you know when it's snowing, the ground is slippery and wet, so it's hard to get your bearings when, when you know, when the, when the ground is, 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 uh, you know, icy and all of that stuff. And it, in, in, in the middle of battle, he killed two lion-like men, fierce men. Then he killed a lion. And I'm not going to go into all of this, but these were the 37 men of valor. Three of them were chief that walked alongside David. It's no wonder people were afraid of David's army. It's no wonder the Lord said, David, you're a man full of blood. Your hands are full of blood. You can't build my temple, my house, but your son can. He was a king, 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 for real, for real. But look at what walked with him. Look at who walked with him. You understand what I'm saying? So I just want to leave that thought with you um, just to kind of give you some biblical precedence on what it looks like, how to approach kings or people in those um, positions of authority, what can discount your voice. What can illegitimize your voice? Um, you know, what leaders, and this is workplace, corporate America, 
community, civic organization, what have you, what are they looking for when they're selecting leaders? You know, what is your, what is your company, your job looking for in management? What are they looking for? Do you have those qualities? You know, if not, you can, if your leader, if your church leader is, is looking for someone to, you know, help support them in certain aspects of the ministry, do you qualify? Do you qualify? You know, not by charisma and charm and by how loud you are, but by your works. Can they look like the Bible said God told Moses, find somebody who's already doing this leadership work, who's already looking after people, who's already caring for people. They're already pouring into people. That's who you want to put your spirit on. That's who you want. You're talking about to the next level. That's who you want to take to the, to the next level. There are many people prophesying, get ready for a next level. But I don't know what that next level is going to look like if there's nothing on the current level to work with. The next level is built upon the platform of the current level. So if there's nothing on the current level, what are you going to build your second level with? Right? So God bless you. This word, um, it was wordy. Uh, but I, I, I just pray that um, you were able to uh, just gather some kind of insight and some kind of meat out of it. Um, I was kind of all over the place in the scriptures. That's just me. Um, but I, I just, I have to defend this case for, you know, what God feels about leaders, the work that they're called to do and those who support them. I'm talking about called to support them or let me, let me correct it, chosen to support. So how God feels about leaders and those he has chosen to support them and it's not up for public vote. This is not a democracy. You know, um, this is not how that works. God chooses who he wants to serve and who he wants to serve alongside those who serve. God chooses that. All right. Um, so God bless you. And um, may this word just be a blessing to your life and help you serve better or help you qualify so that if you haven't been chosen, that you'll be um, one of the next ones that God calls up and, and appoints for work in the kingdom. Amen. Because God knows the labor, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers, God said, pray for laborers. We need laborers. I need laborers. The body of Christ needs laborers, not talkers. Not even more prayer warriors. We need workers. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Until next time, grace and peace.